This is the Carlin versus Joe podcast on ESPN Radio. Justin Fields has got to get out of Chicago. That's very clear. It is Carlin versus Joe on ESPN Radio on Sirius XM Channel 80. We are not jumping the gun when we say that. We will lay out the argument here momentarily. It is Chris Carlin. It is Joseph Fortenbaugh with you as we... As, as are always, brought to you by our friends at Progressive Insurance. Joseph, good morning. How are things? Things are good. Things are real good. We got Thursday night football tonight, which means we got a lot of pizza money to get to today. Oh, Lots of bets. Thursday and Friday are my most stacked days here at ESPN, and I love them. I wake up, and I just try to crush throughout the course of the day. That's it. Like, I am so laser-focused right now. I hope you're ready to keep up today. I'm going to try. I'm going to do my best. Good. Uh, and, uh, frankly, I applaud your enthusiasm right out of the gate that you feel like I'm going to have to keep up. That's uh, alarming a little bit. But, yes. When I, I, when I get a look at you, you when me. I get a look at you physically, do you strike people as someone who sets the pace, would you say? I, I really want to make sure that I'm setting the bar low so that way when I surprise you, <laughs> It really uh, works to my advantage. It's, Get a load of this guy. <laughs> it's it's really the tortoise and the hare, except an extra fat tortoise. So, in just 30 minutes, Stephen A. Smith will join us. He is throwing out the first pitch tonight at the Yankee game, and we will get into all the prop bets that Joe has already assembled yeah. around that as he just po- uh, popped on to first take with Stephen A. and Molly and laid him out. We will be ready to go with that in just a bit. But let's start in Chicago, where everything is just going wrong. Let's just reset where we are here. Justin Fields yesterday was asked about uh, his situation and saying that he felt like he was thinking entirely too much when he is out on the field. Here was the initial comment that raised plenty of eyebrows. When you say thinking less, what do you think was causing you to think so much, maybe think too much? You know, could be, uh, you know, uh, coaching, um, I think. But, um, you know, at the end of the day, it makes it, you know, uh, they're doing their job when they're giving me, you know, what to look at and stuff like that. But at the end of the day, I you know, can't be thinking about that when the game comes. I prepare myself throughout the week. And then when the game comes, it's, you know, it's, it's, it's time to play free at that point. So, um, you know, just thinking less and you know, playing more. OK, so the media, us, everybody took that to mean in the moment that he was having a situation where he was perhaps a little overcoached and thinking too much. So let's blame the coaching a little bit. But I don't actually think he meant to do that. I think it came out wrong. And clearly, he felt it did, too, because here's what he said in clarifying those comments just a little while later. I'm not blaming anything on the coaches. I'm never going to blame anything on the coaches. never going to blame anything on my teammate. Whatever happens in the game, I would say all the blame. I don't care. It's a drop pass. It should have been a pass. Clear on me. But never when you hear anything come out of my mouth to where I will blame on somebody else in this organization, my teammates, never will you hear that. And I try to give you all the information y'all want for you guys to drop. So, um, I'm going to do that and in the future. like, But I ask you guys to, just to put the whole quote out. Don't cut it up into words and pieces to make it seem like I'm saying something that I'm not. Well, that wasn't exactly what happened. It wasn't cut up into pieces. You heard the question in there, too. So that's why everybody took it that way. And I know the idea is to immediately blame things taken out of context. With Fields, in that moment, I don't think he realized what he was saying, Joe, but he was telling the truth in what's happening. When you ask a guy like this to do things that 
he doesn't do particularly well. And at the same time, you are curtailing what he does do well. You are taking away his effectiveness. And that's frankly what the Bears have done so far. The, the quarterback is the what the president of the team, the CEO of the team, the, the leader of the team. The problem is when you use those other terms like president, CEO, those are people that when they rise to those roles, it's generally later in life when they've had plenty of time to learn on the job, plenty of time to learn about leadership, plenty of time to mature, to grow, to develop mentally, physically, emotionally, all that stuff. When, when you're that guy in the NFL at the quarterback position, you're a lot younger. You can be 21, 22, 23 years old, and you've got to have the right mechanisms in place to guide and develop a young man like that. He sounds extremely frustrated. He sounds very frustrated right there. It's not like he came out and said, all right, I want to clarify some things I said. I think there was a little bit of a miscommunication, but I just want to make it clear. I'm not blaming anyone else. It's, it starts with me. It starts with me. But to then kind of push it off to the media about cutting it off in the bits, you can tell there's frustration there. And oh, by the way, as you talk about what a disastrous day yesterday was for Chicago, oh. we didn't mention the D.C. stepping down, which is there's a whole story going on there. And then lost in the shuffle is starting left tackle Braxton Jones being placed on IR. That happened to start the day. Normally, that's the worst thing that could happen to you throughout the course of the day. One of your top offensive linemen is done for at least the next four games. But for yesterday at Hallis Hall, that was just an afterthought compared to everything else. So Fields is frustrated. The organization's frustrated. You're two weeks into the season. It's a classic, typical mess in Chicago, as we've come to know this organization for the last few years. Here's Ryan Poles today backing up Fields in every way that he possibly could. To make it really, really clear... You know, I know the outside noise, but no one in our building's panicking. No one's flinching at any situations. Um, not our owner, not our president, not our head coach, not myself, none of our players. Everyone's focusing on solving the issues that we have so that we can be a better football team. I can't be more clear than this. No one in our entire building, none of our coaches, see Justin as a finger pointer at all. He has always taken ownership of anything that's happened on the field. He takes it head on. He works. He grinds. He puts his head down. He works with his teammates, works with his coaches uh, to find solutions. In my opinion, you got a young quarterback trying to figure it out who hasn't had the cleanest start of his career, who last year with the roster had to put the team on the back, do some unbelievable things athletically. Now he gets talent around him and has to figure out and balance when to do those cool things athletically, when to lean on others. And that is a sometimes a great place to live in. And that takes time. That takes time on task for him to take that next step. And everyone's on board helping him get into that place for him to be successful. They're saying all the right things there, but I think a lot of the damage has been done. So what does it look like this coming week, Joe? I, I personally have seen way too many quarterbacks over the years have their careers ruined. You know, you look at the last 12 to 13 years in particular, there's a hit rate on first-round quarterbacks that's around 30 to 35%. That's entirely too low of a number. Are you going to tell me that, of all of those quarterbacks that were taken, only 30 to 35% of them were truly really good quarterbacks that could play in the NFL. I think that's silly. I think that's silly. I think a lot of times these guys get ruined because they go into a bad situation because then the guys that drafted them end up getting fired a year later. Then you bring in uh, people in the organization who didn't have equity in that player themselves, and 
maybe they're thinking about getting their own guy in there. And that's how bad organizations end up in bad cycles. And if I'm Justin Fields, I'm looking at all of this right now, and I'm thinking, I got to get out of here because my career in the blink of an eye could be over. So I completely agree with you because I think if you take Brock Purdy, who's the last pick in the draft two drafts ago, and you send him to the Jets and you plug him in right now, I don't think you're getting the results in New York that you're getting currently in San Francisco. Kyle Shanahan has built an offense around him that gives him a chance to succeed. Kyle Shanahan understands how to not only design plays, but to call plays. And he knows how to put Brock Purdy in favorable situations. Got a lot out of Jimmy Garoppolo as well there. So, yes, the situation is going to be huge for the player. We can take time or we can look throughout the entire NFL at all the organizations who have ruined quarterbacks or failed to develop quarterbacks. But Chicago is particularly unique in this in this category. All right. I got some numbers for you. I want you to listen to this. Mm -hmm. Super Bowl era starts in 1966. That's 57 years ago in the 57 years that the Chicago Bears have had in the modern Super Bowl era. They have drafted 32 quarterbacks total. 32 in 57 wow. years. Now, right off the top, that's already a problem. That number's too low. That number, you should be close to averaging one a year. Sixth round, seventh round, you never know what the Brock Purdy's. So they've had 32 quarterbacks drafted in six, in 57 years. Do you know how many have made 100 starts? I'm going to say 100 four. starts. For, for the Bears specifically? For the just yeah, hundred star hundred starts for the Bears. Like you're bringing a guy to have for essentially what are we talking about? Like six years, five, six yeah. years, which would put you right around that number. I, I would say probably three. You got one. You wow. got one. You gotta go back to nineteen eighty seven. It was Jim Harbaugh. That's yeah. the only quarterback that was the name I was thinking. in the history of the Bears organization that has been drafted and gone on to make 100 regular season starts. You had six first-round quarterbacks you've selected. Now think about that. In 57 years, you've only taken six quarterbacks in the first round. Justin Fields, Mitchell Trubisky, Rex Grossman, oh. Cade McNown, Jim Harbaugh, Jim McMahon. That's it. Those are the first-round quarterbacks selected by the Bears. If I asked you right now who's the greatest quarterback in Bears history, who would you say? Think about it for a second because I've got all 32 teams on a sheet right here with what I think is their best and or second-best quarterback. The Bears don't stack up at all. Every organization has had at least one really solid quarterback who's won a Super Bowl or an MVP or given you an extended period of time as a starter where you've had stability. The Bears have none of that. The Bears have never had a 4,000-yard passer. There is no organization that has failed at the quarterback position more than the Chicago Bears, and it's not even close, Carlin. Wow. Those are, those are really some very troubling numbers for an organization that just cannot get it right. And, Joe, this is one of these quarterbacks that I would point to and say, the talent's there. You better figure it out, and you better figure out how to get everybody on the same page. Everybody can point to the fact that he has not thrown or completed passes at the level that they would want him to yet. Okay, I'll buy that. They watched him throw the football. They understood what his strengths were, and we never heard about accuracy being a problem before because it wasn't a problem. It wasn't a problem in college. So where is that not translating here, and what is the biggest issue? I don't want to hear about them pointing fingers, and 
I get what Fields said yesterday was something that he regrets saying. You don't want to say it publicly. I don't think he actually said anything that was untrue. I don't think he said anything that was untrue at all, Joe. Not at no. all. No. I mean, he's he. if they're confusing him, that's a problem right there. You don't want to confuse your quarterback. Now, you might say, well, he can't pick up the concepts. It's your job to teach him the concepts. Yes. It's your job to put him in a situation where he understands the offense and can go out and execute. If he doesn't understand, that is on you for failing to teach him. At the very core, a coach is a teacher. And so far, it doesn't look like there's a whole lot of teaching going on in Chicago. It's Carlin versus Joe, ESPN Radio. Chris Carlin, Joe Fortenbaugh, presented by Progressive Insurance. We're on the ESPN app, Sirius XM Channel 80 as well. And, of course, on your smart speakers by saying play ESPN Radio. In moments, you know, you can learn an awful lot about what's going to happen tonight in Thursday Night Football by just taking a little gander, a little look-see, if you will, at the prop bets. And we do that in moments. Carlin versus Joe on ESPN Radio. This is the Carlin versus Joe podcast on ESPN Radio. This podcast is proud to be supported by Jets Pizza, the number one pick in Detroit-style pizza. Why? It's simple. Jets is better. With the thickest, crispiest, cheesiest Detroit-style pizza in the country, there's no competition. Right now, get $5 off any eight-corner pizza with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Go to JetsPizza.com to learn more and find a location near you. Again, try Jets' signature eight-corner pizza and get $5 off with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Jets Pizza better because it has to be hi it's mike greenberg letting you know espn bet is ready to take you through all the biggest sports moments this spring the official sports book of espn has exclusive offers and markets from scott van pelt Stephen a smith and me plus many more from the playoff intensity to finally getting out to the ballpark there's no better time for sports fans sign up today new users get a bet reset up to one thousand dollars in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win download espn bet today what a play must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. Pizza money alert. Pizza, pizza. Thursday night football. Let's go to work. Last time we did pizza money was Monday night. We went two and two. We lost a quarter unit. So overall on the show, 10 wins, 10 losses, one push. We are down 0.93 units. Let's get it back. I got two for you tonight. Thursday night football. Both that center around Giants quarterback Daniel Jones. Let's start with this. Over 37 and a half rushing yards for Daniel Jones tonight. Now, first two games of the season, he's run for 43 yards and 59 yards. Look at the 43 yards against Dallas in week one. He carried the ball 13 times in that game. Similar situation tonight. Very aggressive, very fast, very talented defense that's going to be breathing down your neck all night. You're down two offensive linemen. You're going to need to get outside the pocket. You're going to need to run. Jones is going to have to use his legs tonight. He's going to be running for his life. So we're betting over 37 and a half rushing yards. In addition, we are going to bet that Jones throws an interception. That's minus 125. He's thrown interceptions in two games so far this season. And again, he's down two starting offensive linemen on the road against a great defense. So your first two pizza monies of the night. One, Daniel Jones over 37 and a half rushing yards. Two, Daniel Jones, yes, interception minus 125. Love it. Love it. 
Love it. I love the rushing yards on Daniel Jones because let's call it what it is. He's going to be running for his life, too. Yes, sir. <laughs> Absolutely. It's Carlin versus Joe, ESPN Radio, Sirius XM, Channel 80. We are presented by Progressive Insurance. Now, Joseph, we do like to present, as just evidenced by Pizza Money, opportunities for people to make some money. And tonight is one of those odd games where they are trying to tell you something with some of the prop bets. Please explain that theory. So let's take a look at 49ers running back Elijah Mitchell. I'm going to bring it up right now because I want to be able to give you the accurate statistics. But so far this season, through two games, Elijah Mitchell has carried the ball five times for a total of 10 yards. Okay? Again, I'll repeat that. Through two games, Elijah Mitchell has carried the ball five times for 10 yards. He's averaging two yards per carry. Why would his prop tonight for rushing yards be 28 and a half? That's almost three times as many yards as he's produced through two games. And yet here it is as his price tonight, 28 and a half. <laughs> Why would that be? Answer. San Francisco is a 10 and a half point favorite. The thought process here is that this could be a complete blowout. And gentlemen like Christian McCaffrey won't be carrying the ball 25 to 30 times throughout the course of the game from start to finish. Maybe they're up big late in the game and they can rest McCaffrey. They want to run out the clock. They give the ball to Elijah Mitchell or throughout the course of the game. Shanahan doesn't want to overload McCaffrey because he's got 10 days of rest coming up. So he sprinkles some Elijah Mitchell in here and there, and then uses him late in the game. That is just one prop bet to keep an eye on. If he's run for 10 total yards through two games, and his prop tonight is 28 and a half, the books are trying to tell you something. So when you're looking at this now, and you're looking at the Giants' offense, does this automatically mean outside of the Jones number, for instance, would you be scared off by going the under on passing yards but knowing that later on, there may be garbage time numbers. Like, are there numbers on the Giants' side when we look at a game like this and the Niners are a 10.5-point favorite and that might even feel light with no Andrew Thomas, no Saquon Barkley, where the Giants' offense is just one that you stay away from completely because it could go one of two ways in the circumstance. Exactly. You might want to pick very specific spots. Like, I believe no matter what, early and often, Jones is going to be running the ball. He's shown he can run the ball. He's right. run for over 37 and a half yards in both games so that, far. That this feels season. like a given when you so were we like that one. pizza money. Yeah. yeah, so we like that one. But when you're looking at passing yards, you're right. You're going against an elite defense that is going to be pressuring you all night. So you should theoretically have an awful night throwing the ball, but... If the Niners are up 28-3 to late in the game and we saw Dayball leave Jones in late in the blowout loss to Dallas, he could be slinging the rock all over the field. The Niners might not care. That classic garbage time. So you got to be careful there. You got to be careful with the studs from San Francisco because they could get yanked from this game. You never really know. So ask yourself, how do you see the game flow playing out in this game as you attack the prop market? What do you see happening? If the Niners blow out the Giants, what does that blowout look like? Do the Is it a high-scoring game that's won, you know, 45-25? That's 70 points right there. That's an overbet. Or is this a 30-10 to 10 sort of game where you'd want to bet under 44 points and look to the Giants' unders for a lot of their key players? Yeah, this feels like one of those games where the under – feels like it's low at 43, but at the same time, it's really not. Yeah. Because the 49ers are not going to go out and score 50 points. No. They're, they're not a bad offensive team, don't get me wrong, but they feel like they're a 30-point offensive team at best, and I don't expect the Giants to do a whole lot tonight. 
I really you could don't. see you could see a situation like this. The Niners get the ball to start the game. They put a great script together. They go right down the field. They score a touchdown at seven nothing. Jones and the Giants come out. They immediately have a false start. It's first and fifteen. Yeah. They run the ball. It's second and fourteen. They go incomplete. Pressure throw away. And now they're punting. And the Niners are starting on their own forty yard line. And the Niners go down the field and they score again. And right like that. You could be six minutes into the game and it could be 14 nothing, and you're tracking your, over, your under bet and you're in, in bad shape. But ultimately, you're banking on the fact that late in the game, the Niners will throttle down and just run the clock out, assuming they are up big. So full game under, yes, I'm looking to that as well tonight. First half wouldn't surprise me if the Niners put up some key points early in this game. I mean, I don't know if we can trust the Giants to do a whole lot early. They have zero first half points through two games. I mean, that's a nasty trend. Small sample, but it's a nasty yeah. trend so far. Carla versus Joe, ESPN Radio, Sirius XM Channel 80. In moments, my friends, speaking of prop bets, we have got some props that you're only going to hear right here, and we get some boots-on-the-ground perspective where you won't get anywhere else on Deion Sanders. That is after this. This is the Carlin versus Joe podcast on ESPN Radio. Other prop that's going to be rolling in tonight, Yankee Stadium, the Bronx, Blue Jays, Yankees. Well, I mean, the Yankees are out of it, right? No, 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 no. They are trading on the amazing name of Stephen A. Smith to bring people into the Bronx tonight. He will be throwing out the first pitch at Yankee Stadium. Stephen A., it's Chris Carlin. It's Joe Fortenbaugh, who was with you just a little while ago on first take. Uh, how are we feeling What's right up, now fellas? leading up to this tonight? Well, you know, you know, I mean, listen, I mean, I have never thrown out a first pitch before. I haven't thrown a pitch since I was in junior high school, really. Uh, but I'm a diehard Yankee fan. I've been a Yankee fan all my life. I was raised in Queens, New York, born in the Bronx. My daddy never allowed me to watch a Mets game until I turned 18 years of age <laughs> in 1986. It's as honest, honest to God as the absolute truth. Uh, but it is what it is. Uh, not to have excuses and stuff like that. It's to be ready and to make sure that I throw it. I throw the first pitch better than Snoop Dogg, Fifty Cent, or, or even Mina Khan's did. I got to. I got to. I got to be better. I got to be better. Than Okay, this is what we're excited about because, as you know, you and I talked about this an hour ago. You are a marquee name, a marquee brand. Vegas reacts when Stephen A. Smith reacts. And with you throwing out this first pitch tonight, the props are up there. People want to know you're going to be throwing from the mound. Like you said on first take, there's going to be no shortcuts here. No shortcuts from the mound. No Uh, shortcuts. It's from the mound. It is minus 110 both ways, meaning it's a toss-up as to whether or not this pitch will reach the catcher's mitt without hitting the ground. Should we be betting yes that this thing is going to be a dart? Absolutely. Absolutely. Right. I mean, I'm not going to throw something. Now, that's unless I try to do it, throw my slider. You know, I throw a slider. I decided we had one of those on the slider or the curveball. I mean, I got to figure that out. And, you know, once I decide what I'm going to do, it depends, you know, but I'm going I'm to throw it over the plate. I'm going to throw it over the plate. That's the goal right here, okay? Yes. Don't throw it into the stands and don't throw it into the dirt. <laughs> and don't throw it into the dugout. It's got to go over the plate. Now, if it's a little high outside or inside, I ain't worried about that. That's all right. But it got to no, get no. over the plate. No, it no, no. get over the plate. A ball to glove is what matters here. Ultimately, <laughs> ball to glove is what matters. But I no. guess there, there is a thing here where people sometimes don't 
think as much about it, and they go out there and they haven't warmed up, they haven't thrown. How, are That's you going true. to do That's anything like that today? That's right. Well, listen, I got listen. I, I, I hope there's a, mas- a masseuse therapist or somebody there rub my shoulder a little bit before. You know, that would be nice. That would be helpful. But if that doesn't happen, I mean, I just got to suck it up and deal with it, man. I mean, no excuse. I mean, I'm, I'm rolling up to Yankee Stadium. I'm going to be on the mound. I'm throwing out the first pitch. They got me going in the yes boot with my man Michael K in the crew afterwards. I mean, I got to be ready, man. I, don't, I can't have excuses. I can't have excuses. I know I wouldn't tolerate excuses. You either get it done or you don't. And if I don't get it done, I can assure you, oh, my Lord, the ridicule I'm going to face yeah, from these Michael things... K immediately after, from you, tomorrow, you guys, tomorrow tomorrow afternoon for first take. Uh, don't get me started with Mad Dog Russo and I. He's waiting for me to flop. <laughs> I mean, my Lord. I mean, it, 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 I didn't, and I didn't mention my family, my friends, people in the Bronx, Queens. I'm a native New Yorker. I have no excuses. Nobody wants to hear them. I know this. You have to, I could be having a sling on my damn shoulder. Take it off and throw the damn thing over the plate. Nobody <laughs> wants to hear it. I get it. I get it. I understand. It's Stephen A. with us. He's throwing out the first pitch at Yankee Stadium tonight. But the biggest thing out of that is, like, you immediately went to 50 Cent. I mean, we've seen some nightmarish first pitches. That's the other goal. Yeah. We cannot be in that same conversation that, beyond that tonight. correct. Yes, that then is correct. I got a reputation. I got a reputation to uphold, and you know, I'm trying to. I'm, I, you know, I'm trying. I'm trying to remain. I'm trying to remain sexy. You know, I've lost the weight. I'm feeling good. I'm looking good. I'm trying to have my sexy on. You know, the whole bit. I want people to see me. I'm gonna be wearing my Derek Jeter jersey, El Capitan, nice. El Capitan, Derek Jeter, my all-time favorite Yankee, my brother. I got to show up, man. So I, I understand what's at stake, you know, and I gotta. I gotta look the part, and I gotta to be the part. But that's what happens when you represent yourself and you represent the worldwide leader. It ain't like I'm working for somebody else. I'm working for ESPN. So I understand that I got that too. This is not Tim Kirkchin or, or Buster Olney or somebody. You know, this is me. Now, I love those guys. Brilliant, brilliant baseball minds. But damn it, I got to do better than what I think they would do too. I mean, I, I'm, just carrying the, I'm just carrying the load. I understand. I understand. Okay. Okay, now when we think Stephen A. Smith, myself specifically, I think humility, I think humble, I think calm, reserved, not a guy to draw a lot of attention to himself. Someone who walks through day to day, just keeping it real. Important question here. Does it feed the ego at all, knowing that with the Yanks struggling late in the season, they're turning to the big, powerful brand that is Stephen A. Smith to draw some fans into the seats tonight? No, I, I don't look at it that way. I'm, I got to tell you, I'm totally engulfed and preoccupied with me as it <laughs> pertains to me throwing out this first pitch. I'm not thinking about the fans. I'm not thinking. About, now, I'm trying to keep my mind off the fact that the Yankees have not been as good as I would have liked them to be this year. I'm trying to keep my mind off of the fact that I root for Aaron Boone, but I'm worried about his job status. I'm trying to keep my focus on pitching instead of thinking about Brian Cashman and how, you know, we, 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 just, we just need to address some of these things as it pertains to some of the, you know, some of the things that have been transpiring with the roster spots and our farm system and all of that stuff, which is entirely too much to get into. I'm focused on me because guess what? None of that means a damn thing to people tonight. 
if I don't do a good job, they're going to be talking about, oh, the fans came out to see you. They're going to be coming. They're going to be saying, you look like straight trash. That's what they're going to be saying. <laughs> and I have to make sure that that does not happen. So Stephen A. with us. All right. Come- a lot of pressure. <laughs> couple of quick takes on uh, on some other things going on right now. First of all, you were in Boulder this past weekend. Weekend, everything going on yeah. with Dion right now. Uh, your overall feel here about Dion, the way he has taken over college football, seemingly, and if this is overall going to be where the sport is headed, or is this an anomaly and only somebody like Dion could do something like this? I think it's an anomaly um, because everybody is not the greatest cornerback in the history of the game. Everybody is not um, a two-time Super Bowl champion, a Hall of Famer, um, you know, with, with with that level of bravado, braggadocio, whatever you want to call it, that charisma uh, to go into a living room, to be able to go into a living room, to look at parents, and to be able to say, look, I think your son can make it on the next level if he comes with me. I think I can get him ready for it. This is what I bring to the table. And not only that, you know, as somebody who's a personal friend of his, who's known him for many years, I was at that game with Nebraska. He had me in his suite for the game. Um, He asked me to come down there for the Nebraska game. And then the following week, first take went down there uh, before the Colorado State game. You know, he's a guy that I know, for example, that's been in this business doing what we do, guys or at least on the television side, and he would evolve his schedule around coaching kids on the high school level. It was a very, very, very big deal to him. He loves coaching, and he loves these kids, and that has been a priority of his for decades, and a lot of people don't realize that about him, but it is totally, totally true, and he uses it as a tool to reach these young men, to influence their lives beyond the field of play. It's he's incredibly passionate about it. He always has been. And he's one of those guys that if he tells you he's not thinking about the NFL, he means it because that's where the money is. That's on the highly, you know, that's obviously on on the biggest stage, but it's where the money is at and you got a draft and you got a coach, but it's more difficult to lead once you're in that position because you're talking about people who've got bills to pay, mortgages and all of this other stuff. You got kids, you have a chance to have a more profound influence. And that's what he lives off of. That's what energizes and inspires him more than anything else. So I see him loving it. I see him being one of one. But I also think what what he's done, which is so profoundly important, as a graduate of an HBCU from Winston-Salem State University, the athletes that he's brought from Jackson State have showcased that they they can compete on this level. Some of the coaches he brought that were coaching at HBCUs have proven they can coach on this level thus far. And if that continues, that's going to open the floodgates because evaluators are now going to be compelled and, dare I say, forced to look at HBCUs in an entirely different light and see what they can pluck from that platform in order to accentuate what's transpiring with Big Five college football. 
Very well said. Best story in college football, no doubt. To the professional ranks, I wanted to get your thoughts on this. We were kicking around the NFL MVP odds this morning. Dak Prescott is currently 10 to 1. There are few people that have moved more in the market than Prescott. We're living in a world, Stephen A., where your top five candidates to win MVP are Tua Tungavailoa, Patrick Mahomes, Josh Allen, Jalen Hurts, and Dak Prescott. Do you think that's worth considering long-term? Can Prescott keep this up as an MVP candidate? Well, what has he done? They're 2-0, and and they've lived off their defense uh, against the Giants and the Jets, no doubt. They won 40 to nothing against the Giants. Uh, the defense slaughtered Daniel Jones, and they did the same to Zach Wilson. I mean, stop the presses. They did a great thing <laughs> against Zach Prescott, Zach Wilson, and, and Daniel Jones. The reality is that when you look at them, they were running the football. They're running the football right now at a 53% rate. Okay, they're running it more than they're throwing it. We all know this. This is what Mike McCarthy wanted to do because their defense is so elite, so big time. What you were looking to do was spell – for the defense by making sure you ran the football, milked the clock, and you didn't just score bunches like Kellen Moore was inclined to do, and you're giving no reprieve whatsoever to the defense. That's what's been the ingredient to the Dallas Cowboys' success, not Dak Prescott. And by the way, who gives a damn at this point what Dak Prescott does during the regular season? The month of September, October, November, and especially December, when he's 19-7 and seven in the month of December throughout his career, we know that Dak Prescott shows up during the regular season. But what happens in January? The record is like 3-7. and seven. It's like 2-4 and four in the postseason. Come talk to me when he's producing in January. He's been the starting quarterback for the Dallas Cowboys for eight years. Eight years. And I know that I troll the Cowboys because of their fans because I can't stand that disgusting, nauseating fan base. They get on my last <laughs> damn nerves. I'm not apologizing for it to anybody. I can't stand Cowboy fans. I don't hate the Cowboys. I can't stand their fans. And I say it affectionately because it's all in fun, just that love-hate, you know, sports kind of thing going on. That's all that is. But they really do get on my damn nerves. That is not an act. And I can tell you right now, I can tell you right now, with all of that aside, I'm dead serious with what I'm saying about Dak Prescott. The time has come. you got to win at least three playoff games in one year to win a Super Bowl. This man has won two playoff games in eight years as a starting quarterback for America's team. And say what you will about Stephen Jones and Jerry Jones, but they've given him the personnel to be better than that. He hasn't made an NFC Championship game, hasn't made a Super Bowl, obviously. Enough's enough. He's got to produce, and it comes down to him and not what he's doing during the regular season. That's a gimme. What the hell are you going to do come playoff time? That's the question. He is throwing out the first pitch tonight at Yankee Stadium for the Yankees and Blue Jays. You'll see him on yes after that and, of course, the first take. Godspeed tonight. And listen, if I were you, I'm not showing up unless Hal is choppering you into center field like Jerry did at Jerry World last year. <laughs> no, no, this is Yankee Stadium. This is home for me. I'm a native New Yorker. I used to take the D train to Yankee Stadium all the time. The F or the, or the E to the D train and go over there. Uh, that's not the case anymore. You know, they invite me. I'm throwing out the first pitch. I'm going to be the center of attention for a few minutes until the game starts. I got to do a good job. There's a lot of pressure. If I don't show up, I'm going to be laughing stock. Now, that doesn't bother me. I'll get over it if it happens. <laughs> but I got to tell you, I ain't trying to let it happen. I'm focused on throwing that damn first pick. Yes. And, 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 re and representing the way I'm supposed to represent. That's what I'm looking forward to. Enjoy it tonight, Stephen A. Thank you very much for popping Thank on. Good Thank luck, you, Stephen fellas, A. Man. Appreciate y'all, man. Thanks uh, a lot, Joe. Stephen A. Smith joining us. I, I'd listen. 
You do not want to be on that videotape because we know that videotape exists of all the bad ones. And he won't. He won't. He'll get no, it right. I got I, I, all my bets are going to be on, on this being a very solid pitch tonight. All my bets are going to be on a very solid pitch. He knows what's at stake. He knows he, he's in that chair every day talking about everything that comes across his desk. He knows that tonight's a big moment where a lot of people are looking for a gotcha moment on him. Yep. It would it would be nothing better than to just fire some legitimate gas right down the middle, right to that glove, and then just to look around with the arms up. Are you not entertained? Are you not entertained? (laughs) The most relatable thing that has happened in sports in the past month. It's next on ESPN Radio. This is the Carlin versus Joe podcast on ESPN Radio. Unfortunate situation for Dwayne Kuyper. Uh, and Mike Kruko, the 40, uh, the uh, broadcasters for the San Francisco Giants, not the 49ers, excuse me, but particularly for Dwayne Kuyper. I don't know if you saw this. It's Carlin versus Joe, ESPN Radio, Sirius XM, Channel 80. So Kuyper uh, yesterday uh, was ready to do the – was doing the game and in the middle of a conversation said, we'll continue this conversation in a minute. I have to run to the bathroom and pee. love the honesty listen it is an unfortunate thing joe buck has talked about this a few times and it's it can be the worst and i have to say like that can be as relatable as possible for me i have been in these situations before when you're doing a game and you have to go because what are you going to do you got to drink a ton of water right you got to stay hydrated. And then sometimes, like, it, believe it or not, you're doing a game. There's so much energy coming out that it just kind of goes through you. Like if you're playing golf in the dry heat, right? Yeah. Where you oh, don't yeah. have to – you could drink a gallon and a half of water and you don't have to pee at all. But, Joe, like, I want you to imagine this for a moment. There's probably, when I do the games at Rutgers, a good – 30-yard difference between where the booth is and where the men's room is. So I have roughly two minutes where I need to sprint down the hallway, get to the men's room, go, and then come back. And in the midst of it, there are probably a good 10, 12 people, because it's during a commercial break, that are going to get in the way. So I have a situation where I could legitimately be running down the hall to try to get it in in two minutes and make it back and knock people over on the way. Like people could actually die in this scenario. <laughs> First because if off, you got me three bills coming at you at what I would term as a high speed, you might not. But if that's happening, you, you've got problems on your hands. Yeah. First off, I, and I got I'm this isn't the most important takeaway from what you just said, but I got to lead with this. I, I take exception to you using the word sprint to define what you're doing between the booth and the bathroom. I'm not. Uh, okay. It, In my that's own what, category of sp- what sprinting is to me. That's what Noah Lyles does. Noah Lyles sprints and he wins world championships. You it might not necessarily be a sprint. By your standard, you are running as fast as you can. Yes. By my by standard, I'm running I mean, as fast. by that standard, you know, a, a 
a glacier is sprinting from the Arctic down to, you know, the equator. See, it's sprinting. It might just be an inch a year. But you don't know how athletic I am for a big man. I'm like a big <laughs> dancing bear. <laughs> just big and mobile and agile, all that great stuff. Exactly. Do, do you, before you call games, Yeah. Uh, number one, are you conscientious about the diet and the consumption the night before and the morning of, knowing you have to be prepared for this bathroom Absolutely. situation? And then number two, on top of that, do you have a rough idea of scheduled bathroom breaks to make sure that you are covered throughout? Because obviously sometimes you can't necessarily control all of this, but I'd have to imagine you at least put a plan in place. Yes, no, there's a plan in place. There's absolutely a plan in place. Number one, I am very conscious of what I eat and drink, specifically what I eat now before games. You don't want to be in a bad situation at all, right? And I I want to be at (laughs) peak optimum performance, (laughs) as I would put it. (laughs) But then at the same time... um, as far as drinking water, you have to drink water during the game. So it's, can we make it to halftime? Can we make it to between quarters where there's a little extra time? The worst problem is, that, and this has happened, where I've run down the hall, gotten in there, there are a couple of p- other people in there, and during this two-minute break, you get the old stage fright. Oh, oh. And then, that, now that's like, going to lead to a series of pain. That's going to lead to You can't wait that right out. There. You can't wait that out. No. I got to get back, get on the air. And it's happened where, like, I've had to go back and forth, get the stage fright, and twice I went in, and then it's like too much pressure. And then I got to go back. And it's just a whole, I mean, as you can imagine, that didn't go well for me. The play clock waits for no one. <laughs> it really doesn't. This is the Carlin versus Joe podcast on ESPN Radio.